You're listening to Dramas Over Flowers with Saya, Anissa and Parama. Hi, I'm Anissa. I'm Parama. And you're listening to uh, a, a short, long yak where we do get really spoilery, but you will have ample uh, warnings and there are always the show notes to refer to to find out exactly where the spoiler sections start. Yes, we're going to start out by talking about some non-spoilery extraordinary attorney thoughts because we are both obsessed with it right now. So obsessed. So, 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 so obsessed. <laughs> so obsessed. <laughs> Dude, I, I saw this uh, one meme that I found hilarious, which was basically that when they were pitching the attorney who uh, drama to the producers, um, they were like, you know, it's it's a show about like this young attorney, like she's a rookie at a law firm. And they're like, okay, that's all, that's all cool. Uh, but why is your CGI budget so high? And they're like, well, <laughs> because of the whales. <laughs> oh my God, I love the whales. Okay, so I did my like episodes one through four first impressions post for the blog already. So I feel like I should let you give your impressions of the drama first. I, uh, my first impressions of the drama were like, I can't believe how realistic the court proceedings are. Is this drama land? The legal stuff is actually really good. It's surprisingly so interesting. There's like petty cases about things like rezoning and <laughs> you know compensation for a wedding dress that didn't fit properly and I'm just like riveted I'm like this is so interesting yeah and I can't believe that more courtroom dramas don't just have have like cases like these because this is the stuff that we don't know what to anticipate uh, on you know because like when it's murder cases and you know horrible crimes have been we all more or less know where we stand and what the laws mm-hmm. are but whenever you come to these kind of cases we don't even know what laws apply which site is right like especially with the rezoning case that happened in episode 7 and 8 you actually had a pretty good case made on both sides which which kind of made you wonder are are our heroes supporting uh, like the the their clients are they in the wrong i mean that that it just makes for really good drama and i can't believe that most dramas aren't willing to put in the research and just don't seem very interested in building up interesting cases like these totally agree and also and interestingly enough like i've been dealing with some community stuff with my with the work that I do with my mosque and like literally they're going through the same thing like there's a transit project coming through that neighborhood where the mosque is the people in the neighborhood are really concerned that they're going to be like gentrified out of the area and like there's been a lot of like extremely emotional backlash against that from activists but then it's also like what about the voices of the people in the neighborhood so like we've been trying to Anyway, like I was like, this is very, uh, I can relate to this right now because it's very related to what I've been kind of thinking about for a lot of the last few weeks. But also like um, on top of that, not only are the cases so interesting, but like this works really well because it's truly, I mean, with the exception of episode seven and eight, which does deal with that rezoning case, every episode has been very contained in the sense that like it's episodic. Mm. It deals with one case and then it moves to the next one. And like, it's so refreshing not to have like an overarching, you know, like with law school, for example, you saw the kids kind of doing their day to day, like study and school and all of that. But mainly it was this overarching case that they, 
you know, stretched out over the entire season. And like, it was, I mean, that drama also had other issues, <laughs> but like, I just like, I like this thing of like, you, it's more of a workplace drama because it's not about, it's not like a legal drama that became about something else, which is kind of what law school became, you know, <laughs> or like sometimes there's, I mean, you have Lawless Lawyer. It's not really a legal drama. It's about his like revenge story. It's about a lawyer being awesome and, and kicking butts yes. <laughs> and looking awesome while kicking butts. <laughs> looking very awesome. Yeah. <laughs> And wearing really nice suits. I mean, I love the suits in here. Like, uh, her friend, Chesuyan, oh, love her dude, suits. Dude, she is just, she's amazing. But also her clothing. Man, the styling is on point. I want her clothes. <laughs> but let's talk about Pak Eun-bin as Uyangu first. Yeah. So, you know, something that was probably done really well before the drama uh, dropped was that in the trailers, they kept her introduction to her introduction where she comes on screen and basically just says my name is Bu Young Yu um, backwards and forwards and then like list the number all of the things. palindromes <laughs> yeah yes. and, then, and that's it that's all they actually gave us in the trailer and then the drama happened I don't think they even released like a proper trailer like a pop you know a larger trailer I think there is one, but that was released like practically the day before the drama launched. They gave you... Yeah, I didn't see that yeah, one. they gave you no information. That one actually may also be just made by like Swoon or something and not like an official one. But it's... um, it, <laughs> I like that you had no time or like information to really prepare for... Because, you know, a lot of times because historically... These kind of characters, especially when the synopsis already told us that we were dealing with another autistic savant. Your prejudices from having watched a lot of other dramas do Rain Man style storytelling kind of like uh, becomes like a block and doesn't even let you start the drama or have preconceived notions and like feel really bad about it. The fact that Park Yun Min was in it was the reason I started watching it. But honestly, I was also grateful that I had no more information on the story. And then I could just start and fall in love with her from the moment the story started. Even like yes. the, the little childhood part, which was just so cutely dramatic. Honestly, like, yes, I also was like, okay... Pak and Bin, since you're starring in this, I will give it a chance. That was like my main thing. I was like, okay, the cast and and even Kang Teo, like I really liked him in Run On. So I was like, let me just give this show one episode, you know? And then I, I think not even from the first scenes, it was like the intro was so oh. beautiful. Like I watched that intro. I don't skip the intro ever. Like I was watching it with my <laughs> sister and I was like, don't skip the intro. <laughs> It's just so like it just gives you such a like a tone of the show immediately like you get the vibe of the show and and it's and it's just so there's something so warm and gentle about the show mm. while not at the same time it's not like it's not a fantasy it's not like sugarcoating anything you still see a lot of like the difficult and tough stuff about life and particularly for Youngwoo as an autistic lawyer like all this prejudices that she faces all the time and all the different ways. And I, that's one of the things that I really appreciate about it is like, okay, so it is a story about her and it's not necessarily like about her autism, but her autism is a, an integral part of who she is and how people see her. And so it explores not only the violent sort of really 
blunt and blatant kind of discrimination that she faces, but also the more subtle stuff, you know? And we'll go into this more when we discuss one particular character. But, like, even people who are well-intentioned, even, you know, Kang Kyung's character, who plays um, her, sort of, I guess, her supervising lawyer, Jung Myung-suk, Myung-suk-hee, um, he doesn't want her at the first, you know, in the beginning when, when he finds out that she's his new rookie, he's like, no, I'm not, this person can't be a lawyer because, basically, because she's autistic. Yeah. Um, and then he, and then he becomes, like, this, Huge cha- like quiet champion her. Yeah. for her. I know. Like his little smiles when he thinks that nobody's looking at him. <laughs> and when she does something that he's like really proud of her for, I just kill me. But also I love him every so much. time she surprises him and he like he's too polite to like, you know, retort even if he's annoyed. So he just right. quietly like gulps the words down and he just looks at her for a moment and I was like, Oh my god, you're such a sweetheart. <laughs> He's so like, see, he always has that like wacky, funny energy. And he brings that to this, too, in a really um, very successful way. Like, it's hilarious. But at the same time, like he gets to have so much more substance than I've seen from him in previous roles where he's always like the wacky best friend comic relief, you know, Mm. but he has the acting chops. And so, like, I'm really happy for him that he gets to show them off here. Absolutely. And And he has mean uh, like actor billing, like he he gets main role billing here and I'm just so glad that this drops. You know that this drama sees its storytelling differently just from this one Mm -hmm. thing. Because he's not part of like the romantic arc. But the fact that he is one of the major characters in the story Mm -hmm. is apparent practically, you know, 10 minutes into the, the first episode. And it is reflected in the billings, which often isn't the case with most dramas, which prioritize, you know, romantic leads over everything else. For sure. And he is that like mentor figure for her, right? So, I mean, this drama is so popular that it's it's actually like, it was the most watched non-English show on Netflix um, globally from July 4th to 17th. Apparently, it's... So it's, it's doing really it's, well. It either already has or is about to defeat Squid Games in terms of, like, the initial, uh, you know, airing numbers, like, while it was airing. Yeah, people are like, is this the next Squid Game? Which just, like, gives me so much joy because it's such a different show. And now I'm like, all these people will stop thinking that K-dramas are all, like, Squid Games. I also game, really so. liked uh, the CNN headline where it was, like, this new drama about a young rookie attorney... Um, is, you know, the next quick game. Not once did they mention autism. And I was like, yes, actually, yes. I mean, it's inside the article, but like, this is just the headline. Because that's sh- like, how do I put it? Um, there are a lot of these dramas that kind of capitalize on any kind of neurodiverse storytelling as like it, the, the main marketing thrust and I really, mm-hmm. and that really isn't this story. Like, of course, her neurodiversity is a huge part of the story. It, it's a driver, like how people react to her, how she reacts to the world. All of that stuff is huge. But it's also about one more rookie lawyer entering a firm and her life. And how nice right. is that? And it's like, and it's not treating her as some kind of special snowflake just because she's autistic. She, I mean, that is definitely part of how, you know, part of her journey 
and it's you know and it's and it affects her life in many ways but at the same time like she also just like makes a lot of rookie lawyer mistakes you know like there's one case where she's like why can't we do this and he's like you don't understand as a rookie lawyer like how powerful this like one document is like that's been signed right and she's like but why like it was signed under false pretenses and he's just like Oh, young Padawan. <laughs> you know, like, so there's all these moments where like she wants to do something and she is like, and especially because of her personality. Um, and I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is also because partly because she's autistic, like she's very honest and like kind of earnest with everything. So if she reads it in the law books, she's like, well, this is the law. Like we should be able to prove that this is the law. And like she never lies. And But like, it's not, like the real world doesn't work like that. And like, that's partly what she's learning. Right. And I think that's like, as a rookie lawyer, I think all rookie lawyers probably have to learn that when they first start practicing that, like, oh, things aren't going to be like how they were when I was in law school. Like my ideal version of what it was going to be to be a lawyer, especially I think if you go into law as like someone who wants to, you know, fight for people to have the rights that, you know, often they don't get or like to, you know, um, then reality gives you a hard smack on the back of the head, <laughs> like the one that Kwan Minu deserves. Oh my God. So, okay, we will get into uh, him in a second. What, the other thing that I really liked about it is, like you said, like she she makes rookie lawyer mistakes, but also, you know how like, slowly as the other characters realize what an amazing memory she has and how great she is at thinking out of the box, the fact that she's been topping her class in SNU, like it, it, it all like culminates to this like overall very strong and very correct impression that she is clearly super gifted. Mm-hmm. But then, <laughs> several cases later, she and um, Su Young, her colleague, they are handling this one case and they are trying all sorts of methods to win it, and they um. Uh, don't do very well uh, until finally they get help from somebody else and it's the most obvious path possible and both of them look at each other like we are idiots <laughs> and I love <Yeah>. that <laughs> that was a great moment I loved that so before we get into spoilers I want to talk about so Kang Teo's character is I mean I don't think it's a spoiler to to say that he's a romantic lead oh, it's pretty obvious from episode by, one by now the okay if you're on tumblr you would have seen it's so disappointing as a tag like everywhere like, okay we'll get to that scene yeah Go we on. want to talk about what context that said is but like i love how he's not i mean k-dramas are getting better about this but they don't even attempt or like like, they never even consider starting out with this, like, antagonistic relationship between the romantic leads here. Yeah, He's just such a good person. Mm. And not only is he such a good person, because there are a lot of characters in the drama that are just really genuinely good people. Mm. He has a way of looking at the world that's, like, really compatible with hers. Like, he also kind of, you know, like, in episode one, there's that whole scene where, like, he's like, why don't we do a dance to get through the revolving doors? And it's like... That's not something that everyone would do, right? Especially not everyone who works at this high-powered law firm because it's kind of a, you know, a rigid kind of hierarchical structure. Not everyone would be like doing that at the at the building of their workplace, <laughs> right? And so he has that kind of um he does what he feels is right and he doesn't really care what other people think or how they're going to judge him based on that. Mm. And he's really he's not only willing to put himself in 
Youngwoo's perspective, he's like, he's like happy to do that. He wants to. He already sees the world in like slightly like off center way. And so like, I love how he's like wants to be part of her world. And even though there's like humor in their interactions, um, because of sometimes he like doesn't understand certain things about her because he's still getting to know, you know, things like how she kind of experiences the world or like how she, so whatever, what her like emu- emotional cues are for how she's feeling. And it's like funny, but it's not funny because like she's the butt of the joke because she's autistic. It's funny because like he doesn't understand or like, you know, there's, there's this point where he's like trying to subtly show his feelings to, <laughs> and you can't like, you can't do subtlety with young. Like she's not going to see it. And so like the joke is kind of on him because he should he should know better at this point not to be subtle with her. Like there's this one uh, point. Okay, can we can we move into the spoilery territory? Because everything I'm thinking of saying has a spoiler. <laughs> yes. So let's so he spoilers from here on out. If you don't want to hear spoilers, just come back when you've watched the show. Okay. So there is a point where uh, Kang Ti Ho's character, uh, what's his name, Lee Jun Ho, Lee Jun Ho uh, leaves a gift for <laughs> Young Ho. <laughs> on her table and she's like I don't know who gave me this so she just chucks it so the next day he's like did you get the gift and she's like oh but I got rid of it I didn't know you had given it to me and he's like ah okay he's like oh so quickly <laughs> oh, yeah, that was fast. it's funny also because like when he buys it in the <laughs> store it's like it's like one of those moments where you're like, oh, you know, how, like a lot of times romantic couples in K-dramas will have like an object yeah, yeah, that yeah, represents yeah, yeah, their yeah, love, a- you know, like the boys over flowers, like meteor <laughs> necklace or whatever. So you see it, you see him buying it and like you don't really get a close look at it so that it's like your expectation is, oh, like he's going to give it to her and she's going to see it and she's going to like not feel like quitting and she's going to come back or and it's going to be like a significant object for them. Nope, she just checks it. <laughs> That's it. You never got to see it up close. I like it's so good. I just I was dying. I was like, this is too. I like this drama is so smart. And I wish I'd mentioned this earlier, but I guess we kind of said it without saying it. But like the 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 writing is so so good. Like not only the the acting, but the writing and like the detail that they put into it is like you can just see how much care is put into every line of dialogue the way that the world has been built, the way that the characters have been constructed. Like, oh, it's just so, 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 so good. Absolutely. And and the bizarre thing is that I don't think this writer has too many credits. I mean, they have like one uh, movie credit in 2019, which is Innocent Witness. I haven't watched that. But my point being, they have one director credit, one movie credit, uh, both for movies, and this is their first script. And I'm sure they they have experience otherwise, but like that's all. So you don't you don't know. Yeah, you don't know what this person is capable right. of, and they they, they do this. <laughs> that just blew us out of the water. Also, like a fun fun little tidbit, and we didn't talk about her best friend yet. Yeah, which yeah. we oh well, we will another th- we we will <laughs> yes. But like, there's this one part where she's like trying to coach. Onu about uh, Youngu about like how she should act in court and like she quotes from that movie. Which movie? So it's like a little, a little not innocent witness. Oh, I, I haven't watched Remember that. She's like, <laughs> but no, she says that it's from that movie. Like, oh, because like the the bar owner, he's like, how can you coach her? Like, you don't know anything about the law. She's like, how dare you? I've seen all the movies. That's how people learn about the law these days. And then she like quotes a bunch of movies. And she's like, have you seen this one? Have you? And Young was just like, nope, Dude, nope, I totally nope. I haven't seen this. any. <laughs> that is so And then cool. she's like, 
she's like telling her, she's like training her how to say objection, your honor. And then so she like trains her. I loved that. Scene. Yeah, and, and and that was again so well done because Pakin Bin does a really good job of the the monotone, like without any emphasis in a sentence, like delivering these lines. It's not like there is no emotion or like impact in her delivery. All of that stuff's there, but there is an absence of um, cadence in a certain way. And you you can't tell like where the highs and the lows are in a sentence. So for her to say... She doesn't speak in a typical way where like you kind of get those cues that you've kind of absorbed over the years of like this is what somebody means from their tone. If we had her on for this podcast, she would have the most level audio ever. Like with our audience, we have to put levelers to make sure it's not ha and then ha. It would would be so perfect (laughs) to to edit. She would be a, a dream of a podcast guest. I mean, she's a dream anyway. Yeah, that's, I love that, her. that's true. So, no, but so uh, to, for her friend, uh, Yurami, to get her to say objection with like, you know, high emphasis, objection. Yangu was having a lot of trouble getting there because she's like, objection, objection, objection. But she, it's, it's, it's just that the emphasis wasn't coming out. So that practice really helped. And so when she was in court and she was like, objection, she does it with like the maximum amount of passion possible because that is what Kurami taught her. And I love how Kurami was in the audience with this like smirk of like, I d- yeah, I'm so proud yeah. of you. Like I helped to do that. Yeah, their whole friendship is so beautiful because you kind of see... I love that we got their backstory Mm. and also like how it came in so organically with like them going back to visit the town where they met and the place that kind of they were both bullied. And then you get to see like, here's how they bonded and and how they got together. And then also like she just pops up all the time to just like be a support for Youngwoo in a way that she really needs but it's also like you can just see how much joy they take in each other's presence. Mm-hmm. And it's like so lovely. Like it's just so not like it's one of the best friendships that I've seen on screen in a long time. Like and I, I just mm. and she also says like Gurami is my only friend, but I think that Suyan is also a good friend. Oh to yeah, her. absolutely. And and something that makes me really fond of this show is that okay, so you know how the original original tra- I wouldn't say the original translation but like the way the original title is it's more like weird attorney who and a lot of people got really offended when they found that out but I don't think that makes sense because when you say it in Korean you don't mean weird in a bad way like that's a western conception you mean everybody's weird in certain ways and you can see how Kang Teho's like Junho is weird in certain ways you can definitely see how Yurami is weird in certain ways every character including uh, attorney Jung, have their own like weird quirks. And the show kind of makes sure that you notice these things. Like it's not just, you know, Youngu being like this wholly different thing, whereas everybody else conforms. That's not what the story, story is telling us. Like everybody sticks out in their own ways. And so does Youngu in her own way. And it's, it's just, and which is why the friendships work. It's not like this one straight man character befriending like this odd duckling and anybody could have been swapped out for that straight man character. The way Suyong's friendship works with uh, Youngwoo is, is that Suyong is just naturally very kind and fair-minded. The, the way that, that, that uh, canteen scene 
where Suyong's like, yeah, so what was my nickname? And Yungu is like, you're you're the spring sunshine. And like in in almost poetic words, was like she she tells her like these are the many ways in which you've always helped me. And the fact that she noticed like and kind of like listed them in her own head, like made notes of them and and saw you know Suyong in in this really warm light because of all of these actions. And Suyong wasn't expecting any of that. Like she never did it for credit. She never wanted acknowledgement. Mm-hmm. But like when Yongu does that in her own way, like tells her all of that, Suyong is like blubbering and like she's just, oh my god, she's so taken aback. <laughs> yeah, and I love also how like the show, it doesn't do that thing where like it portrays autistic people as like these sort of like cold and emotionless robots, which is like such a, it's such a terrible and damaging stereotype about autistic people in our societies in general but like it shows up a lot in media too right but like no like you see from the beginning that Yangu is a very loving person it's just that she doesn't express that love in a typical way or in a way that is like sort of the social script of you know sort of like whatever like the dominant quote-unquote neurotypical way it's like she has her own way of showing it and the and what's so beautiful about the show is like over time, over the first few episodes, it like teaches you how to read her. Mm. And so by the time you get to that scene and I don't know, it's like episode six or something, you already know that she's like, you kind of know that she's going to say something that you love and you're just kind of like waiting for her to say it. But then when she says it, it's like so much better than you could have imagined. And like, because you know that she loves her friend. You just, it's just that she doesn't show it in a typical way. And like the thing with Suyan is like the two of them, what they have in common is like they both have a really strong sense of justice. Mm. So there's that one scene <laughs> where they're defending that North Korean defector. And lawyer Jung is at first he's like, you know, he tells young like you have to calm her down. Do whoa, whoa. <laughs> that whole thing with the whoa, whoa is just so good. <laughs> Every time I was just cracking up. But like. She also just gets so caught up because the both of them are like, oh, my God, like we have to help this woman. And it's so cute to see them teaming up like that. And you're like, oh, yeah, like this is absolutely why these two are friends because they care so much. But about also it was, it was such a brilliant way of subverting like the cold, distant, uh, you know, persona yes. of most autistic people. Because you would think that Attorney Chang like designated Yangu or, you know, to that case because he thought she would be like the less emotional of the two. And it turns out. Like- right. So it's it's showing his even though he really likes her and he. Is so glad to have her on his team, but he still has some of that like prejudice preconceived you know, notions in, about yeah. this particular aspect. Exactly. And so, and then so, like it just overturns that. And it's like, I love how like the show doesn't make any of this obvious, mm. you know, like it's done in such a beautiful, organic way. Oh, it's just so good. Okay, let's talk about something that's going to make us angry. One <sighs> Minu. Oh my God, one Minu. Dude, this boy is, he is like the internet's most hated. <laughs> character right now <laughs> deservedly so uh so actor uh Jujong Yook is is in so many dramas I've I've just recently been noticing him on my rewatches like he does these he's he's in Yumi Cells by the way he's uh Wunga's like co-founder of his gaming company thingy oh that's what I recognized <laughs> him from I was like I've seen this face before but okay now right? I okay Yes, that's right. Louis or Lewis or whatever. He was also in DP. Yes, he was also in DP. But in general, his characters, um, well, the characters were great. He 
was lost inside the character somehow. So he didn't really stand out. But Kwong Min <laughs> is just, he's, I can't explain it. Like aside from like the utter vitriol that like viewers have for him, he's also written so damn well. I know people mm-hmm. like him. I have spoken this to people why like he's him. so oh. hateable. Yes. So, okay. So, I mean, here's the thing, right? Basically, he's um, threatened by Youngwoo because he knows that she's a better lawyer than her. And at first, he felt like her autism would give him an advantage of her over her. So he was like fine with being nice to her. And then like once he realizes that she's actually not only a better lawyer, but a better person than him. I mean, that's what I think. anyway. <laughs> but anyway, like once he realizes that like she is so good, he suddenly f- starts finding ways to like basically just like drag her down. And he does this whole thing where he's like, oh, you know, you're a nepotistic hire. You know, everyone's treating you differently because you're autistic, which (sighs) his whole argument makes no sense. But he's basically one of those like reverse racism bros. Like if he knew what reverse racism was, he would think that it was like a real thing. No, no, he's Um, totally the kind of guy who would be like, oh, minorities are coming into our country and stealing all the jobs. He's totally, exactly that guy. He's one of those people. Exactly. And like the way that it's written is so, it's so well written and it's so real. And I think that's why like it's so upsetting because it's like, oh, yeah, this is triggering. And um, also <laughs> there is a, there is a scene um, with Soyoung where something very small really triggers this guy. Like a, a small kindness that Soyoung and um, Junho do for uh, Yangwoo. I think it was just giving her a, a you know seat in a car and, and he had to let that go. And that precipitates this cascade of vitriol towards Yangwoo. And Soyoung witnesses that. The, the thing is, he does what a lot of these people do, which is that he hits you with a lot of vaguely right sounding but like doesn't quite make sense arguments that you are not immediately prepared to have you know retorts for so you're just standing there astonished at the amount of hostility coming off him and that's mm-hmm. what happens with Suyon mm-hmm. I really love that scene because that's very realistic often because their logic is yes. so twisted you haven't had time to untwist it and like you know, give a, a, a legitimate response. So she's just standing there. One hundred percent. What you're just you just really hate her. You're just saying all of this stuff because you hate her. But what he says sounds like it makes sense. And then five minutes of thinking makes you realize that none of it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Yes. So extremely, extremely relatable and true. So, so just Real. just to recap what you were saying, initially when she joined the firm. Again, he wasn't like nice, nice to her. He was just polite as a colleague, nice to her. Right, right. But what he started noticing was that A, Jungwoo is actually smart and she started sort of gaining quote-unquote points with their seniors as soon as she joined their first case. And two, that, for instance, she, uh, because of one of the cases, she took some time off. She had to rethink her entire career. She was like, am I even useful to my clients as I am with right. my... Or she actually resigned. Which was not accepted. So she, she, right. she put and in... And her the, boss didn't accept And the it. thing is, Minu doesn't know that, that, that she had given in uh, papers. From his perspective, she just took like a long paid holiday and faced no consequences for it. But he does know that because she, when she comes in for that to like plead for one of them to take Gurami's case, 
she's like, well, I'm not a lawyer anymore because I resigned. Um, and, and then lawyer Jung's like, oh, no, I haven't processed your resignation yet because like you didn't give me any reason. And you just and like he's sitting right there and he's you're like right, right. He making does. a weird expression and scoffing. <laughs> so he knows all of that. But he, he does that thing where like he takes only the pieces of information that are going to be beneficial to his worldview mm. and he just ignores everything else and like pretends it doesn't exist. You know, Ex- exactly. he just does, like whatever is advantageous to his own like agenda. Absolutely. So like initially when he sees that her office is empty day after day, he you can see from his expression that it's like pissing him off. And then that canteen scene happens where she comes in and she's like, well, I'm not a lawyer anymore. So, you know, you take it. And attorney Jung's like, no. So you're right. He finds out that she had actually resigned. It doesn't matter to him. The fact that after several weeks of not coming to the office, she comes back again and rejoins and everything is just, nobody says anything to her. She's not penalized for it. Hello, Future Parma here, coming in while editing this episode because I wanted to correct something I just said. It's not true that Yungu did not get penalized. When she came back into office again, Attorney Zhang clearly told her that you've used up all your holidays, so you're getting no more leaves after this. So yes, yeah, she wasn't harshly punished but it's not like she ran off consequence-free. It's just that Minu didn't know about any of this. And I don't honestly think it would have mattered to him. Future Parma, out. He sees that as an affront to himself. It was a deliberate, personal unfairness mm-hmm. done to him. Specifically him. And it's just yeah. every time anybody's remotely nice to Yangu, it starts to pile up from there on. Every time anyone's nice to her, oh no, it's a direct, like, that was niceness that was owed to me and it was given to her. It's just such a twisted, twisted man. I mean, there are so many ways that I hate this guy. But like, he does that thing where there's like, an imagined injustice is in his own mind of the fact that like, and I mean, there's no evidence for this. If anything, it's the opposite. But he has this weird double standard of like, oh, because she's autistic, everyone treats her, you know, they give her more chances. They treat her more specially, even though like he sees all the time the kind of discrimination she faces. But like that doesn't fit into his like worldview. So he just like ignores that and pretends like it doesn't exist. But then at the same time, because of that imagined affront or that imagined like whatever, which like even if it were true, it's nothing to do with her, right? Like it's not something that she did. It's not true, but even if it was, to counteract, quote unquote, like that so-called injustice in his mind, he starts doing things like they're put on the same case. He doesn't tell her about it. He, he like hides information from her and like, you know, to make himself look better to the client and make her look bad. Like he does all these like dirty tricks. And then when she calls him out on it, he's like, well, we're in a competition. So like you can't, you know, like it's totally fair. And like he says so much garbage to her. And then like, he also comes between her and Juno, right? Because he cannot imagine that anyone would ever think of her as like a romantic potential because to him, like he doesn't see her as fully human. Like that's that's what it is. Like he he doesn't treat her as an equal human. A lot of people on the internet while hating on Minu were also trying to make the point that, oh, but you know, he's the only one who doesn't see her as needing any help. He sees her as strong because a couple of times he's he said to Suyong, why are you helping her? She is the strongest amongst us. So they're like, well, he Mm-mm. sees her as strong. No, you know what he sees her as? As that feared, that, that xenophobic, that fear you have for the enemy mm-hmm. who's like horribly strong and will come into your house and like 
you know, do violence to your family. That's what he sees her as. That is not respect, my friend. That is not like respect for an adversary whom you see as an equal. Right. It's bigotry towards the other. So it's this imagined threat that the that the majority sees the minority as, basically. Yeah. He's a threatened majority. He's he's a puny threatened majority. It's ah. yeah. It, it, it's like uh, you know that that saying of like if you are used to privilege, then equality feels like oppression. He's kind of feeling that for the first <laughs> time, and he doesn't like it. And then he's like coming up with all these like bullshit arguments to make himself seem like he's actually justified when he's not. And even like that kindness that you mentioned that like sets him off. It wasn't a kindness. It was like Suyan yeah, being like... Yeah, but he like, didn't know that. So from his perspective, it was just one additional kindness given to her and not him. But what I'm saying is like, it's yet another example of him being totally on the wrong <laughs> end of things and not understanding what's going on and him thinking that he knows everything. So like here he is like trying to set up Suyan and Juno. Meanwhile, like Suyan figures out that's actually not the case. And she is trying to like match bake them because she knows that like, Juno likes Yongwu, but neither of them are making moves. Right. And also that Minu's interference has made things so much worse. You know, like it's confused her and it's hurt her feelings. And like she's trying to fix the problem that Minu caused. And Minu's just like, why is she always getting special treatment? And that's another oh. example of how, again, I've, I've heard people say that, well, at least Minu doesn't infantilize Yongwu. Look, nobody in this office is infantilizing Yongwu. And, and, and Minu specifically dehumanizes her. So it, he does. It, it, it does not justify anything. So anytime anyone says anything remotely as if they're defending, Minu just, just makes my blood boil at this point. So I haven't seen that defense of Minu, so I'm very upset to hear about it's not, that. It's not like it's an active defense. It's one of those things where they are like, because he's been written so well and so realistically, it's not like he's evil all the time. That's not it. He's also doing like working really hard on these cases. He's having normal not asshole conversations with people. <laughs> For instance, when they were walking through that village and this reporter asks about like what the update of the situation is and he's like, well, you know, it's raining right now, but it's usually a really pretty village. He is capable of having normal conversation, which again, you've got to mm -hmm. credit the director and scriptwriter for these like minor scenes that actually makes him seem more well-rounded. He has all of those things. Plus, He's friends with Junho. That that wouldn't happen if he was continuously an asshole. The guy must right, have redeeming right. qualities. But the fact is that we are absorbing all of this stuff as an audience. And we want to see him be redeemed. But some of us, like you and me, when we hear him talk, we don't just hear him say these things. We hear like his worldview and we see every other type of people who has had similar worldview and has done devastatingly bad things to the people around them. Yes. And it's hard for us to see him as somebody who even deserves any kind of redemption. So it's, um, I, I lost my point. And also there. like this is, no, no, you're absolutely right. And this is like what we were talking about before about how it doesn't, like there are no cartoon villains here, right? Like this is the kind of, you know, if you are someone who faces discrimination of any kind, like you don't just get it from these outright, you know, blatant, really obviously bigoted people. You get it from like there are so many different levels from like microaggressions where the person doesn't even say anything to, you know, like things like this, where in your workplace you're made to feel like, you know, you're a diversity hire or, um, you know, like your voice doesn't, 
you know, carry the same weight as somebody else's. Like those things are actually way more common than like a hate crime. Like, yes, hate crimes also happen. But like this kind of stuff is what you see more often. And it's like a daily thing that like really it brings you down over time. And like that's kind of what happened with Yangu, right? With that one case where um, and we didn't talk about this yet. And I know like we're running out of time, but I want to just talk about this briefly is like there's that case with the two brothers with a younger um, autistic brother who is on a much different part of the spectrum than Yangu, right? Mm. Like he I think they say in the drama that he's like he has like kind of the the mental age of like a six year old child. Mm. But he can't express himself like you can see that it, it there's like a lot going on in his mind, but like he can't express himself as clearly as Youngwoo can. And so his parents and sort of the world treats him in a different way to her. But then at the same time, like they just also just see both of them as autistic and they don't like see anything beyond that, which and so like that case kind of brings out and like exacerbates a lot of the prejudice that she's already facing at work. Um, and she gets demoralized because like one after another, things just happen. And it's not like one thing that makes her be like, oh, I'm just going to quit. But these things do get to you after a while. And and then and then you just become it's not that you don't think that you have value, but like you get tired. Yeah, you do. It was that was also the case where they did a really lovely scene where um, Young was is basically just. So basically, they do a recap of how Asperger's, you know, found or or how Asperger's syndrome was like first diagnosed. Um, and of course, now it's autism um, spectrum disorder. Spectrum disorder. But, uh, yeah. Back when it like this happened in Nazi Germany and Asperger's was a Nazi collaborator. And her entire point is like about 80 years ago, people with autism in Nazi Germany would have been seen as people with no value. They would not have been allowed to live. Yeah. And and the entire thing was just done so beautifully. It's um yeah. Yeah, it's so well done. It's just so like there's so much intelligence and thought and like warmth and love and subtlety and nuance in the way that this drama is written. And I'm just like, so, and we didn't even talk about the whole story with like her mom. Yeah, so the parents' generation had high drama. <laughs> they did. <laughs> so uh, since we are being super spoilery over here, her father brought her up by herself and we knew from early on that he pursued law but never, uh, you know, took the bar exam. Practiced. Yeah, which yeah. would have let him practice. And he was in SNU just like his daughter. So he was clearly a really smart uh, person. So we don't know the reason why he didn't continue his practice. And then we find out much later on that Yangu's uh, mom who also happens to be the CEO of uh, the rival firm to Hanbada. Um, I forget the rival firm's name. Um, Tesan. Right. And Hanbada is the firm where Yangu is working. So she is the CEO. And then I suppose the ex-CEO, she steps down uh, at one point because she's fighting it, it to become a congressional member. Never mind. Minister of Justice. Right, that, that thing. Um <laughs> She, when she was in college, she had dated Yangu's dad and she was pregnant. And then obviously she did not want that life. And he had convinced her to have the child and promised that once she had the child, he would take care of her, raise her and never cross paths with 
the woman again. Super dramatic oath to <laughs> take. But something I suppose a 20, like an early 20 something might do. Like her dad's character is actually really interesting. And her relationship with her dad is also like all sorts of like hearts and, and, and spikes. It's, it's really, really great. The aspect that I got stuck on a little bit, especially in the last couple of episodes, was the first thing was because at this point, mother and daughter have met and it was done in a really, really well shot sequence. Oh, oh, it was so good. Oh, my God. That last scene of episode eight, I was just like speechless with how good it I, was. I've always liked the actress uh, Jin Young, who plays um Mi, her mom. Me too. But I... I was so impressed. It was just this long held, like this, this camera shot that was just held on Jin Young's face while Jung Woo was just in her usual, slightly monotonous way, looking away from the woman. She she was just telling her who she was. And then just like saying everything she had to say, which is also a great thing. Like there were no interruptions. Jung Woo was allowed to have mm-hmm. her say. And mm-hmm. for the entire time, Jin Young's, she was not expecting that. So like every emotion on her face was absolutely honest. From surprise to comprehension to utter devastation to this, this, this rising fear. But like, I don't even know fear of what, like fear that my daughter hates me, fear of like revelation. You don't know what is going on, but just. And even like the one question that she asks, right, is like not a question that you're expecting because of who you've sort of observed her to be is like, did you resent me? Yeah. And I was like, oof, oh. like I did not expect her to ask that question out of all questions. I didn't either. And because I like the, really like, so far I've loved the writer's work so much, I'm willing to trust them in how to handle this character. However, in the fandom, Ginny's character is getting a lot of hate right now because you've had... You know, you've had those moments where Yangu was like, if I was a whale, my mother would never have abandoned me. It's like those those very, you know, heartwarming phrases and stuff, right? But like this woman, Tesumi, at when she's like 20, 21 years old, she is forced to go through pregnancy because of like an emotional request from her boyfriend so that, that she's risking her life. Listen, every time a woman gives birth, she's risking her life. You cannot convince me otherwise. And she goes through all of that stuff and then has to lose the baby because she has to. She is committed to that. That's the only... And I'm pretty sure that the family she came from would not have agreed to this if she didn't give up the baby either. So she's in this situation yeah. where she... I don't even have to know her story. Give, knowing what position she comes from and the fact that she agreed to his request is enough for me to tell at least this much that she went through absolutely horrific emotions as well as like the physical you know everything you go through because of pregnancy and then she lost the child I mean come on I'm not going to blame this woman she's in her early 20s I I am not willing to villainize her yeah sorry go on Anissa I agree with you I I didn't I mean I haven't been paying that much attention to the fandom reaction as you clearly have so I haven't seen that but like that's kind of infuriating I I blame the dad honestly the dad made me so angry in the last few episodes. So, like, I know we don't have much time. I just want to, I'll just like list out things that made me <laughs> mad. From the beginning, he's kind of done that thing a lot, which like I've heard autistic people complain about, which is like, I don't know how, like, in the rest of the world, in the US specifically, 
the the narrative about autism has been led by like parents of autistic people and for a long time it's been framed of like oh the poor parents who have to deal with autistic I agree. children yeah and it's like really i mean it's very upsetting and very wrong because it centers the parents as having to like bear this burden instead of actually centering the people that it's actually about and like letting them lead them like they are the ones that should you know be listened to because they're speaking and like nobody so anyway like that whole thing so he does say that he kind of leans into that like oh like as your dad I felt so lonely and that was like okay sure dad like he he does like feel sorry for himself a lot that he has an autistic daughter and like that's kind of been bothering me (laughs) since the beginning but he was so loving to her in other ways that I was like okay whatever like it's realistic right like this is a dynamic that definitely happens, yeah, you, right? You can't just have like a dad who's all nice and all good at all times. So that Exactly, been... exactly. Like it's real, right? So I was like, okay, like it annoys me, but you know, he's a dad. So then he like barges into her workplace during working hours in front of everyone to meet with the CEO. Like, and then he like confronts the CEO. Um, and then he's all, and then he's like, there's no like, point to that confrontation because he's like oh well even though even though you hired her with like other motives I'm still gonna let it keep going and let her keep working here so so like what was the purpose of that like that's what kind of sparks this whole thing with like Minu seeing him coming out of the office and then it gives him ammunition to like you know and then he like blindsides her with the information that like Taesumi is her mom which like I wanted her to find out but I didn't want her to find out that way like he's just he does and I and I love how it's written because like Youngwoo basically t- calls him out on it. She's like, "Why are you always like making all these decisions for my life? Like I'm trying to be I'm an adult. Like let me be an adult and make my own decisions." But it's uh like the blame for this situation. I mean, I'm glad that Youngwoo is alive. Like that's not what I'm saying, but like he has made a lot of decisions along this process which like uh, I just I just was bothered by so many because of them. you don't always have to have a villain in every story. It's unnecessary. Yeah, I'm glad you was raised and 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 in, is who is she is right now. But if her mom had gone through with an abortion, I would not have villainized her, and I don't villainize her for giving the child up. Her dad is absolutely a gem for having worked so hard to raise her and and like help her in every way he could. The fact that she got into SNU and the fact that like he's taken every job, like, you know, opened up his own restaurant. He's done, worked so hard to support her. And every morning he makes her the breakfast exactly the way she wants. He's dedicated his life to her. So yes, kudos to that. But that does not mean that there needs to be a villain opposite him, like the person who did not do Mm -hmm. all of that stuff. The fact is that he made this bizarre promise to his ex-girlfriend and then just gave up on his entire career, which might have helped him help Youngwoo even more, not just once she grew up, but while she was growing up, he would have had a well-paid job. He would have just had like better access to better resources. It's just a decision he made. Whether it was worth it, whether it was the right decision or the wrong decision, none of that matters. These are decisions that were made. So, but because he made his own life hard by giving up his career and then had to go through all of this hardship does not mean that Tisumi is the evil one here. It's... Right. Uh, and and to be fair, like he does admit that when they're in the hospital mm-hmm. and he tells her kind of the story of what happened. And he's like, you know, I shouldn't have like stuck to this weird promise that I made I should have done what was best for you 
okay, but then like, why is he showing up at her workplace and making these weird deals with her CEO? And, you know, so I, I am, first of all, not completely convinced that the CEO of a firm would hire a genius student out of SNU who also happens to have autism just because at some and she might turn out to be her rival's daughter there is no confirmation at this point and so she like every time you're hiring a rookie even if it's just for a year you're putting in resources to their training and she's going to be wasting all of that resources on the off chance that there might be a relationship like come on this is this is too much I mean yes I know it's a drama but I don't think it's that kind of a drama yeah the dad is just making, he's drawing all kinds of conclusions on his own and just like doing things without talking to anybody, without like. Yeah, I, just, I, I feel like he's projecting a bit. Like he's like, I have, and yeah. of course he's seen Jungle face prejudice. He's faced it himself. So it's, he understands like when you come from a lot of bullying because of a certain situation, you're likely to see bullying where none exists. That That is a perfectly normal thing and, and some really sad reality. But the way he goes about doing the whole thing, he barges into her office is like, I know you are evil, but even though you are evil, I will not tell my daughter to leave your job because it might be the only job she ever gets. So you can you get to use her just once, but never. I mean, dude, first of all, you don't get to make the decision that 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 the CEO no, gets to use her exactly. once. Exactly. Oh. Uh, oh yeah, I totally forgot like about her that. Her dad that so, so clearly sees Jungo as his daughter, yes, but also in a way his property, like his thing mm-hmm. that he dedicated his life to. He's like the ultimate helicopter parent. Yes, he really is. And I want—I just want to clarify, like, this is no way is a complaint about the writing. I think the writing is just excellent. Ah. It's just the, like he is doing his job as being a frustrating <laughs> character very well. Okay, I think we need to wrap up here. Yep. Um, we were planning to do liber- my liberation <laughs> notes, but I don't think we'll have time for that. But we will come back with a spoiled yak on my liberation notes at some point in the future. Yes. Yes, Borma? Yes, yes, we absolutely will. <laughs> And yes, thank you for listening to us. Alisa, where can they find us? So you can find us on Twitter at Dramas Overflow. You can find me on Twitter at Anisa Khalifa underscore. You can find me, Parma, at Festa Foster. You can find us on Instagram at Dramas Overflowers underscore and on Facebook. You can also email us at dramasoverflowers at gmail.com. And you can find our blog, which includes uh, the First Impressions review of Extraordinary Attorney Wu on, at dramasoverflowers.net. So we will also link it and sign up for our newsletter. There's a link for that there, too. Dramas Over Flowers is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. Thank you for listening, guys. Bye. That's it. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>